A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Think back to that first date with your partner. Did you fit the bill or did you go 50 50? Perhaps back then it didn't matter, but then you got more serious. Maybe you booked a romantic getaway and you thought a budget hostel dorm will do, and your partner was thinking, nah, I'd rather have the penthouse honeymoon suite. And then you moved in together. Suddenly you're talking about mortgages, starting a family, maybe even costing a wedding. Getting all of this to go smoothly, well, that's easier said than done, or at least that's what my guests this week finding so i feel like Saul's the type of person that is like super popular and goes to the bar and buys the drinks and i'm the person that's in the corner that's like like we need to slow this down a little bit that's priya she and her husband sahil reached out to me because after getting married last year they're finding that their different attitudes to managing money are starting to become an issue yeah i would say that um we don't really talk about money because it's just an awkward It's just all good conversations to have. Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast about personal finance and investing from the Financial Times. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's consumer editor. In today's episode, we'll be exploring how to manage your money as a couple, especially when your approaches to your finances are at opposite ends of the financial spectrum. You don't need me to tell you that money can be a really thorny issue in relationships, financial psychotherapist Vicky Raynal agrees. I read a pretty scary study about couples who disagree on their finances are twice as likely to divorce. The good news is there's plenty of great advice out there to improve your financial compatibility and communication skills, and we'll be tapping into that for this episode. Plus, financial expert Ken Okororafor from The Humble Penny shares how he and his wife overcame their financial differences – and he's full of practical tips that could help you find out how to make your money work together as a couple. What we decided was to remove the concept of my money and your money. So what we did was every pound that comes into our home is the family's money. But first, let's get back to our newlyweds, Sahil and Priya. My name's Sahil. I am 34 years old. I work in the NHS as a sports and exercise medicine doctor. And yeah, I'm here today with my my wife, Priya. So my name is Priya. Um, I am 32 and um, I work in NHS dentistry and also private dentistry. And I've been married to Sahil for one slash two years because of COVID, depending which date we take. As a doctor and a dentist, Sahil and Priya are both on pretty good salaries. But while Priya is the higher earner, it's Sahil who is the biggest spender. When it comes to your own 
relationships with with money. I mean, would you say you're good with money, Priya? So I would say we're, firstly, I'd say we're very different with money, but I think I'm quite good with money. Um, and the reason, and I can, I know where this comes from, is my father. My father's always been very good with money. So for example, for when we were born, he set up ISIS for us. He did stocks and shares investments. In some way, that hasn't made me as great as money because I've kind of left it to him. But in terms of money, I always think, do I need this? And is it essential? So I'm definitely a saver. And I always feel like I'm saving for like a rainy day, which is the opposite. Okay. (laughs) So, so Sahil, how are you with money? So I'm definitely the weak link in this relationship. Oh. Uh, It's part of the the reason I'm here, um, to get some help. Um, So I, I would say I'm a spender. And growing up, we didn't have any advice about what we should do. Because there wasn't any money in the house. Do you try and ever put any kind of limit on your spending or say £300 this month, that's going to be my my fun money and that's it? Or So no, I've never been that organised. So if I would have thought something that you want or need, just I would just go and get it. And then, as Priya said, probably come to the middle of the month and say, oh, I don't really have any money left now. We've heard about the couple's attitude to spending money but what about saving it? Impressively, Priya is saving thousands of pounds every month split between her NHS pension, a private pension and a stocks and shares ISA that her dad set up for her and still manages to this day. She also has a savings account where she sets aside the money needed to pay tax on her self-employed income so January's bill won't come as a shock. Very sensible indeed. But what does Sahil do? So from my self-employment income, I would say all that tax money goes into a stocks and shares ISA, into pretty much uh, one stock. Okay, so I've got two questions. First of all, what's the stock? Um, no surprises here. It's I've been following this company since 2017 and it's Tesla. Um, right. My second question is, This is your tax money that you're investing in this stock. So you're basically making a gamble. What would your strategy be if there was some catastrophic decline in the the Tesla share price? How would you then be afford to pay your Um, tax bill? So that's a good question because there has been a catastrophic decline. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) tell me about this. Um, So I always thought, the benefits of being in a married couple is that I could turn around to Priya and say, do you mind helping me out? It's just a bad time to sell for me to pay my tax bill. So there's all a question to ask, but I would hope that she would see the greater good in that. While we were talking about this, Priya's body language was basically screaming, I wish he wouldn't do that. What worries you about Sahil's spending? But well, his spending, but also his in, his investing habit. I think because I've saved literally all my life, I know how hard I've worked for that. And I feel like it's good to have a good time. But I think the fact that he doesn't know how much his tax is in a few months, whereas I'm like, I know from as soon as my accountant sends it to me, I know how much I'm paying in January, how much I'm paying in July. So it's kind of like, even though we're married, so... Um, I sometimes find that I'm the sort of person that it's not, I don't want to say moany, but yeah, true, a bit of moany. I'm the one that's like, 
I feel like I'm sort of the boring half where I'm like, do we need to do this or shall we do this instead? Or Although they've been living together for a few years, Sahil and Priya don't have a joint account, not even one for their bills. So why, why the resistance to a joint account? Tell me a bit more about this. I guess I don't want to justify my purchases. Not that they um, would need justifying. You want to have some control of your own money. Yeah. Um, you probably both want that, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing is, sometimes I think if I put all that money into it, I feel like more is going to go out through Sahul and it won't sort of be like a sort of, in, it will be like 70-30 of expenditure. So do you find that you have a lot of arguments about money or is it more kind of a simmering tension in the background? We do try and sometimes have conversations, but normally, to be brutally honest, they normally don't end up, we normally end up arguing over things to do with money. So then I think as a result, we find it quite awkward now to talk about it. What would you like to get out of the experience of coming on Money Clinic? What What would a good outcome be, do you think? Just the confidence to know that can I in some way just leave him to it? Like the fact that we don't communicate about money, are we ending for like a big sort of car crash in the next few years because we don't communicate? And how is the best way to communicate about it when we think so differently? He's, I'm very sort of like safe and he's a bit like more risky. So I feel like we need to come away for our paths to cross a little bit instead of us just going on our separate journeys. Do you think that you're, different attitudes to money are impacting your relationship? Um, I, I don't think it is, but we are newlyweds. I would like as a couple, if we could be very open talking about it, it make your life a lot easier. And you want the same thing, but yet you're not able to get that at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that we are essentially on the same journey. We just haven't maybe communicated it well enough to each other. What would you like me and the podcast experts to help you with with all the things we've talked about today if you're two opposite ends of the scale in terms of your risk status do you either merge that together or so do i need to become a bit more risky and he needs to become a bit more safe or do we sort of stay as we are i guess my question would be how do you maintain providing your fair share or slash 50 percent um as the lower earner but still have the ability to enjoy what you spend on. So I guess another question, the pros and cons of a joint account and how would it work in our situation? The first person I wanted to speak to about Sahil and Priya's situation is a slightly different kind of financial expert who we usually have on the show. My name is Vicky Rayner and I'm a psychotherapist and financial therapist. Well, Vicky, you've listened to the interview what was your initial reaction to the problems that Sahil and Priya are having? Money is a powerful symbol and it stands for different things to different people. And when we hear Sahil and Priya, you know, we hear Sahil saying that for him it, it is a tool to enjoy the present, uh, to live life to its fullest. Whereas for Priya, it's a tool to maybe meet present needs in a good enough way, but uh, also a safety blanket for the future. So they're starting with a very different meanings uh, attached to money. Let's go back to Sahil and his attitude to money. I mean, he's definitely a risk taker and that definitely has an effect 
on his wife because mm-hmm. she's worrying about the risks that mm. he's taking. Absolutely. I, I think he has a complex relationship with money. He gives the impression that he's comfortable with uh, taking on risk, but he equally recognizes that it's a strategy that doesn't quite work. And he seems to be aware that diversification is better than just sticking to one stock, that he could be more organized and budget his expenses, um, that his uh, tax-saving system is flawed because it is reliant on on Priya um, kind of or, or a family member rescuing him. Um, yet he resists making changes uh, despite knowing all of this. What do you think might be stopping him? I think that there, there are some emotional barriers that are getting in the way for him. Um, I think there's, first of all, maybe an insecurity about his financial knowledge. You know, he says, I am the weak link. And um, he hints that it's maybe a, as a result of having grown up in a family uh, where money mag- management wasn't talked about. And so it's as if he doesn't trust himself to know what's best in the domain of personal finance. And having a partner that is confident in this space maybe reinforces this insecurity. Do you think that his financial upbringing is playing a role here too? So I also wonder whether there is a, whether he isn't maybe also acting on some longings that that belong to the past. I mean, having grown up in in scarcity, uh, as he said, um, maybe there is kind of an irresistible um, opportunity in abundance uh, to now meet some of his desires uh, in a way that maybe as a child he wasn't able to meet. So, if somebody like Sahil was in your clinic in real life. What are the kind of strategies you would suggest for working through those kinds of insecurities and attitudes to to risk? I think understanding can go a long way. So I think Sahil would benefit from looking at what is behind his overspending so that he can be in a better place to change it. But maybe also having more explicit and clear financial objectives. He's not thinking about the medium and long term. You know, his short term approach, which is spend it while you have it, basically is is causing him a lot of problems, both in terms of getting to the end of the month, but also in his relationships. And then when it comes to Priya, what did you think of her attitude to money? I think Priya prides herself on being sensible and responsible. Um, She is protective of the fruits of her hard work, but is clearly unhappy with the role she has taken on in the relationship, you know, being the one that has to moan. The nagger. The nagger, exactly. Um, And I I wonder with her, you know, couples tend to polarise sometimes. and, And I wonder if maybe she has taken a position that that is maybe in some ways natural to her, maybe she was always cautious with money, but maybe it's exacerbated by Sahil's uh, behavior and vice versa. Mm. You know, what would it be like if she allowed herself to enjoy money more and face, you know, the negative side of her money attitude? And what do you think about Priya outsourcing her investment management to her dad? I do... uh, pick up some ambivalence in her about having delegated so so much to the father. And you know, she, she does say that 
she doesn't have the time and it's practical and he has a lot of knowledge, so it makes sense for him to be managing it. But there is a sense that maybe she'd like to be more autonomous in her financial choices. Mm. Well, it, it strikes me that learning more about investing could be something really good that this couple could do together. But what do you recommend for couples like Sohil and Priya who have these big differences about their approach to money could do to work through those differences? There's four dimensions to differences, right? There's uh, my money attitude, there's my partner's money attitude, and there's what we like and dislike about our own and about their money attitude. When people argue, they tend to focus on what they like about their own money attitude and what they dislike about their partners. So they start kind of the arguments trying to convince the other that they're right and the other one is wrong. And that really sets couples up for being in a stalemate. Whereas what is, I think, a lot more helpful is to try and face the to ignore the dimensions, which is what do you actually like or even envy about your partner's uh, attitude to money. And I think there is a sense that Priya might envy Sahil's ability to enjoy his money and have fun with it sometimes in yeah. a way that maybe she she finds it difficult to do so. And I think that's helpful for two reasons. You know, one, it gives us a clue about what we can change in our own money attitude. And it also helps us get in touch with kind of gratitude and appreciation for our partner and and what their uh, money approach brings to the, their relationship, which in this case is uh, a bit of fun. But how how do you turn a negative like that into a positive? Very basic principle of communication using I I statements that express your feelings about something and following it up with the action that got you angry or annoyed or whatever it was. So saying something like, you know, I feel angry when you spend 200 pounds on a night out uh, is much more effective than telling your partner that, you know, you're always irresponsible, that that will just put the other on the defensive and they won't understand what it is about what they're doing that is affecting you and how. And I wanted to ask you about this concept of financial compatibility. I mean, is this a key factor in how successful a relationship is going to be? Or would you say that it doesn't really matter if a couple are on different ends of the financial spectrum because they can work through their issues and find a way of meeting in the middle? I don't think it's so much about their disagreement on the topic. I think it's about their ability to find a good enough compromise. You see, when when Priya says, I wish we could merge, uh, how do we merge as a couple? I, I feel there is something a bit idealized in that idea. You know, I, I think a lot of couples will find that they can't merge uh, on a topic like finances, but can they find a good enough compromise and can they accept each other's differences? Have you got any final tips for our listeners today, Vicky? I would say one important thing is that the same uh, solutions won't work for every couple. And we hear from Sahil and Priya that, you know, everybody has a joint account. Should we have one? You know, different solutions work for different people. Um, I think the most important thing is to communicate about your fears and concerns, you know, share them uh, with your partner and approach the conversations trying to understand their point of view. 
The second expert I wanted to talk to about Sahil and Priya was Ken Okororafor. You might remember him from our New Year Resolutions Money Clinic episode. Ken runs a financial education website called The Humble Penny. It's a blog and YouTube channel uh, by the same name. And The Humble Penny exists to help our audience create a life of financial joy. And if you watch Ken's YouTube videos, you'll also see a lot of his wife, Mary. She's actually his business partner as well as his life partner. Let's talk about you and, and Mary, your wife. I mean, anyone who watches Humble Penny videos on YouTube, it's the two of you. You're a very united front financially, but how would you encourage couples everywhere who are listening to get a, bend, to get a better handle on their finances together? So if I had to offer some advice, I'd, I'd offer more of a framework mm. and I'd hope this will help people to remember. So it's, it's an acronym that we use and the acronym is P-O-S-T. P is for purpose, O is for objectives, S is for strategy and T is for tactics. Okay, let's go through these one at a time, starting with P for purpose and the questions that couples should be asking each other. What I'm talking about here is, is why does money matter in a relationship? What's our relationship with money? What's our attitudes to money? That sort of stuff. And so once we're done with that initial, almost uh, holistic phase of talking about purpose, then we move into objectives. Oh, for objectives. As a couple, what's our vision and our goals together? What are our long-term goals? Do we ha- want to have kids together one day? Or do we want to become financially free one day? Like, what do we actually want to achieve? And the reason this is important is because it helps them build almost a united front. And the S is for strategy. The strategy piece differs. It could be, how do we achieve that goal? Do we invest money? Do we save money? If we're going to save money, what percentage do we save? And stuff like that. And finally, T is for tactics. The tactics bit is really the small details. Like, should we have a joint account together? Uh, What should we agree for payments for if it's... Claire's birthday, or if it's my cousin's birthday, if it's parents, like what should be our budget for that? Um, uh, Should we have money in different pots, for example, for emergencies and stuff like that? Mm. Now, you mentioned finding time to talk about money. Mm -hmm. How can they and others listening just find that space in their lives to to deal with this? To be able to create time for anything, you actually have to give that thing some priority. By that I mean it has to be an important topic in your life more generally. More practically, what we do, which we found really helpful, we diarise a money day in advance. A money yes. day? So this is a day when we actually meet to talk about money. We sit down, we have three points we always discuss, not more than three, max three points. And one of them is usually what's happened in the last 30 days? Where has all, my, where has all our money gone? What have we been doing? And this conversation is really good because it, it's not judgmental or anything like that. We're just trying to figure stuff out. And one of the questions we then ask, one of the areas we explore as part of this money day is, is how are we doing with our goals, our dreams? Like, how are we actually doing? Have we progressed in the last month? If that sounds a little bit heavy, Ken has this advice. Go away together. Honestly, every time I've gone away anywhere with my wife, Talk about a particular thing. You're in a different space. It's something about just leaving your environment that changes the way you, the attitude you bring to the conversation. So the change of environment for me is a really important one, particularly when we want to talk about big topics. So let's move on to talk about joint accounts. What 
in your experience of, of Humble Penny and all of your workshops, would you say is, is the way couples can explore this? So I think it's a good idea to have joint accounts. But I also think it's a good idea to have individual accounts. So they have different roles. So the joint account, speaking more personally, as well as having from what I've seen from experience, um, is there almost as a collector of the income, the family income, as it were, or the couple's income. It's like a Venn, the middle of the Venn yeah. diagram. Yeah, exactly. So it's just the income's come into the joint account. And then what you really want to then do is tell the money where to go. What we've done in our family life situation is we've just created certain rules to say when the money's coming, um, this proportion should go here, that proportion should go to a juniorizer, that proportion should go there, and a certain portion should also go to our individual account. So that we have that element of, oh, I'm still in control of my finance, of my, you know, my money, and I can spend on certain things that I want to spend on um, without it just being, uh, I feel like everything's, you know, just in a joint account. And the reason why Ken and his wife have arrived at this joint account model? Years ago, when we've got two children, uh, a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old, and in those years, whilst my wife was um, having our boys, uh, I was my career was rocketing, and my income was like many, many multiple times her income. Um, but the, the the problem that created was we had this this, I don't know, this weird dynamic because it just felt like I was the one earning all the income or most of the income, when in actual fact she was doing far more work, you know, raising kids and dealing with stuff whilst I was out. And she was still earning some income, but nowhere near um, what I was earning. So what we did, what we decided was to remove the concept of my money and your money. So what we did was every pound that comes into our home is the family's money. So what this did, it removed the pressure or this weird dynamic. That's the approach that works for Ken and Mary, but it won't necessarily work for Sahil and Priya, or for me or you. But think about it. When have you ever talked to other couples about how they manage their joint finances? I earn more than my partner, so we have a ratio system for covering the costs of things like groceries, bills and holidays, so I pay proportionally more. Every month, we both pay a set amount into a joint account to cover our shared expenses, but then the rest of our money's our own. I'm fascinated to hear what you all do and how, as a couple, you decided on the right system for you. Respond to my Instagram post on this episode and let me know. But back to Ken. What are the next steps that Sahil and Priya could take? I think they need to decide first. Are we doing this joint account thing? If they're doing it, yep, tick. If you're doing it, what next? What rules should be in place to make sure that um, money's not disappearing off to places where it shouldn't it shouldn't go to? And thirdly, they need to really make this conversation thing a recurring thing. A couple of weeks after I first spoke to them, I invited Sahil and Priya back to the FT studio to find out what they made of our experts' advice. I think Vicky's amazing. She's pretty much summed up pretty much how I feel without me having the words to say it. So I think the few things that did sort of ping home with me was the firstly the comment that she said, in some ways you envy your other half, and I do. I'll be honest. I think after the last podcast, I've been thinking about it. I'm quite envious of how Sahul, when he wants something, he just spends it and he doesn't think about it. Whereas 
like Vicky mentioned, I'm quite cautious in that approach. So if there's something that I want, I will overthink it to the point that it's actually quite exhausting. And then it kind of takes the enjoyment out of whatever I'm purchasing. Well, let's hear your reactions, Sahil, and then we'll, we'll talk about what you might do next following her summation. I guess it's um, fair to say that since our first visit, I was expecting some criticism <laughs> for me being honest about my investment attitude, despite what I know. But no, I I welcome her opinion. And since reflecting our first visit, and obviously what I've heard now, is I have made some steps to think of making sure praise is not the collateral if things do go wrong with my investment attitude. So I've had the chat with my accountant Deepak and we've sat down Good. to make sure risks are mitigated Excellent. and they don't have a consequence on my partner. So um, it was good that she picked up on, um, I guess, growing up and not having that financial advice. So that's interesting. So lots of different things there from Ken. What, let's start with you, Priya. What, what stood out to you and the things that he had to say? Um, so really interesting. I think the, the most important thing was the way that he looks at a joint account so differently to how we do. To have everything going into the joint account and then a proportion of that coming into our own account. I think that's quite a good idea and something we should look into. I do like the idea of how he says that has to come with rules because putting my old hat back on... <laughs> I think there do need to be some rules about what that goes on. Yeah, you've got to have your each got to have your own money that you can spend on what you want. Yeah, so probably having a list of inclusion criteria of what is allowed, so we don't. <laughs> I don't have to explain this later. And then, okay. if it was part of the inclusion criteria, then maybe don't get questioned about it. And that way, it may work on both sides, not just on one side. So, what do you think you'll do? differently from now on as a result of coming on the podcast well i think we've already actually changed quite a few things but i think in terms of our journey we still actually have a long way to go and i think the main thing that we realized is coming through this is both of your experts have sent something about communication we will probably never agree and we'll probably let's be honest we're we're never going to say okay i see money exactly the same way as you do but i think in terms of how we communicate it to each other i think we'll make the biggest difference what would you add i would say going forwards that we looked probably to invest together and learn about it together so there's a shared decisions um secondly i guess we have some clear goals and um i think for me thirdly i've already reduced my collateral risk so it doesn't affect our relationship and that should help going forwards well, that's a, that's a brilliant step. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for sharing your story with Mummy Clinic. Thank you for having oh, thank us. Thank you. That's it for Money Clinic this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you did, spread the word and leave us a review. And if you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show, get in touch You can email me, our address is money at ft.com or DM me on Twitter, Instagram or TikTok. I'm at Claire B. Money Clinic was produced and edited in London by Persis Love. Our executive producer is Manuela Saragosa. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and the original music is by Metaphor Music. 
And finally, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here soon. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.